Good morning. There we go. Thanks, Steve. At least that got your attention. That's one way to do it. Um, and this stand doesn't want to stay up for me today. Uh, this morning we are covering um, in our continuing series on the Ten Commandments. Um, we are in part 10 of 11. And that's not a typo. There aren't 11 commandments, but we did have an introductory lesson on the commandments. So today in part 10, we are addressing commandment number 9. So let's begin uh, by asking the Lord's blessing on this time. So please pray with me. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for being a, a God who is true, a God who does not deceive us, a God who represents himself and the world around us. Father, we pray that you will send your spirit on us this morning as we study your word, that you will guide our thoughts and our hearts and our spirits into truth, that our lives may be changed to become more like you. Father, we ask that you will bless this time, that it will be profitable for your kingdom, that we may go out and truthfully represent who you are. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The ninth commandment, as we have been studying here, um, begins with the, uh, the preamble to it. So we'll read that together. And the ninth commandment is, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Therefore, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. So, as we've been following the, these commandments over the past several weeks, we, we've looked at several understandings and misunderstandings of, of these commandments. So, what did you think of this commandment when you were growing up? Growing up in... Shouldn't be a tattletale. It's an interesting... Shouldn't say anything that would harm someone. Anything else? Even if it's true. Okay, so if you don't have something nice to say about someone, don't say it at all. <laughs> Anything else? Growing up, how was this commandment viewed? Not understanding bearing false witness. What does bearing false witness mean? What does it refer to? What is bearing false witness? Telling lies? Gossip? What's the biblical concept of bearing false witness in terms of how it's presented here?
you're, you're lying against God. The concept of bearing false witness from the biblical perspective is in the court of law, misrepresenting something that will condemn someone, bringing harm because of what you say. How, how do you think this, this commandment is generally perceived today? He said, ask Slick Willie. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Uh, if it's... Okay, so there's a difference between an outright lie and a shading of the truth, what we would call a a white lie. Yes? Uh, I, I think a lot of times they do in the court sense. So if my hand is on the Bible, what's the one more way? But if I'm outside of court, my hand's on the Bible, then it's okay to do, but I think it's bad to do. So it's contextual. Okay. Anything else? Okay, so withholding truth could be con construed as a lie. Kyle. So truth then becomes subjective. Well, it, it's interesting in terms of even biblical translations how we can get different concepts of what this commandment really presents. Um, for example, the uh, translation we have listed in the handout is, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. The Good News translation says, do not accuse anyone falsely. So there's a little difference there. Has anyone heard of the translation called The Message? Um, it's not necessarily the greatest for study, but it's got some great insights. The Message says, no lies about your neighbor. So even the translators have interpreted this for us that this commandment isn't dealing about the court of law specifically or exclusively. It's talking about honesty, integrity, truth in general. So this commandment, at least in the, the Christian context, has gen generally been accepted to include all forms of lying, all forms of lying. So why do you think this is an issue? that God would make this number nine on his list of ten. Do we lie? When we're lying, we're lying to God. You know, you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time, and you can never fool God. You can never fool God. What? Yes. 
God is a God of truth. It's in God's nature to be truthful. God never misrepresents himself. God never misrepresents the reality that we see. Say that again. That you, uh, you always have to speak the truth, period. Uh, you see someone that you never see, they don't wear as a mask. You don't have to respond to that. That's true. <laughs> That leads us into our next question. Is it ever? Yeah. So if we're talking about our neighbors, don't harm our neighbors, but I, I overheard Herb say too, family, friends, they're fair game. <laughs> <laughs> so is it, is it ever acceptable to lie? I see someone shaking their head, no. Anyone? Rare occasions. Corey Ten Boom. Yes. Correct. Exodus one, and that's one of the references I have. Yes, ma'am. I just had a surprise birthday party two weeks ago on my 40th, and my wife surprised me, and I'm like, what's going on? Oh, nothing. <laughs> um, the, the example of the midwives, Exodus 1, uh, as a reference, 15 through 22. Um, and James, in the New Testament, refers to this, and the midwives receive praise for that. Um, also, Joshua 2, when Rahab hides the Jewish spies, she is held up as um, doing something very beneficial for the Jews. And does anyone know what ended up with Rahab? Say again. Jesus was one of her descendants. Correct. So... Here we have someone who blatantly lied, but here again we have something where she received praise. 
Correct. 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 You, you bring up a very good point concerning um, tendency to lie and our propensity to lie. Um, there's an old quote that I heard, and I can't remember who said it, but it's, um, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. So a habit, reap a character. So a character, reap a destiny. So if you become one of those people that's lying consistently, that becomes your character. It should be out of character for believers to lie. Yes, sir. Uh, based on what the scripture says, go to the person individually if you know of those sins. Mm -hmm. I think that depends a lot on the situation. I know uh, I was attending a church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and one of the teenage girls um, ended up getting pregnant and they brought her in front of the congregation and kind of made I would say a spectacle out of her sin I'm not sure it was very beneficial in terms of reconciliation with that relationship um, if someone is involved in public sin and they're in uh, a public office, certainly there's, there's a, a degree where we have to make these things publicly known, but I don't think every sin for every person has to be made public. There's a lot of gray area there, so I didn't really answer your question, but <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, the, the lie is printed on the front page and the retraction is printed on the, printed on the back. Yes, ma'am?
so lying to be convenient or safe is a lack of our faith in God's providence and provision. Um, we, we can go ahead, Bill, I'll let you talk. My personal opinion, kind of tagging along on this previous question, is a lot of church discipline ought to be fairly transparent to the general congregation. So it should be, again, starting at the lowest levels. So we've discussed a lot about anecdotally um, different things to do with lying and false testimony, but really what what is at the heart of this commandment? What What's God's intent with this commandment? Is it to never, ever, ever misrepresent anything that we ever say to anyone? Or is there something different here? Heart motivation of what? Us for each other. For God's, God's honor, to represent God as honest people. Um, in, in the book that we've been going through with this uh, study, uh, Keeping the Ten Commandments by J.I. Packer, he has a, a wonderful quote in here concerning the, the heart and the intent of this commandment. He says, We should seek our neighbor's good and speak truth to him and about him to this end. So we're seeking their good, and our words should seek that end. When the love that seeks his good prompts us to withhold truth that, if spoken, would bring him harm, the spirit of the ninth commandment is being observed. Anyone have any examples? How about honey? Does this dress make me look fat? Husbands, how do you answer that? <laughs> yes. Speak the truth in love. <laughs> Get a divorce. That dress doesn't compliment you. That dress doesn't compliment. Yes, ma'am. 
Yes, ma'am. <laughs> you have other dresses that are more becoming. Anyone else? So really, the, the commandment is based, again, as the rest of the commandments, on the good to our neighbor. In the words that we use, not just bearing testimony in a court of law, but the words that we use should be uplifting to our neighbor. We should love our neighbor. We should seek their good in the words that we speak. Now, I'd like you to, to break into to groups at this point for a few minutes um, just to discuss what some of the implications of this command are in terms of what does it mean? What does it mean to bear a true witness against our neighbor? And can there ever be any true godliness, genuine godliness, without truthfulness? And, of course, because none of us keep this perfectly, what would GCPC look like if this command were fully embraced by its members? So just break into groups of two, three, four, um, discuss for about 10 minutes or so, and then we'll come back and talk about our findings. Okay. So what do you folks think? Give me the answers. <laughs> what does it mean if, if we're not supposed to bear a false witness against our neighbor? What does it mean to bear a true witness? What are some of your thoughts of how we honestly and truthfully represent So instead of our words lifting ourselves up, our words should lift our neighbor up in our conversations. Our focus should be, again, from, from the heart. Our heart is love toward our neighbor, not love toward ourselves, which is a significant break from humanity. Anything else? So you're saying that this is not as easy as one would think it is initially. It is. Th these are not clear black and white answers. Yes, ma'am. Ah. Who here has ever lied? 
Now, Camper's not here, but who led the sixth commandment? And when we were talking about you shall not commit adultery, and Jesus expands that by saying if you ever lust after a woman, how would we respond to that question? Who has ever lusted at a woman or lusted after a man? Would our hands have jumped up as quickly? Okay, should I ask the question? <laughs> I'm not going to. Is lying any less disgusting to God than committing adultery? Sin is sin. It's against God's nature for people to represent him themselves because he, he created us in his image. Um, so that does lead us to our next question. Can there be genuine godliness without truthfulness? I know that's just like a yes or no answer, but flesh it out. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is that my question is, number one, too broad, but it's also a trick question because, as we've seen, there are biblical examples where lack of pure truthfulness has been essentially praised in the scriptures, whether it's praising the lie itself or praising the intent of the misrepresentation. Um, I overheard Jerry talking about um, Jacob and Esau when they were born, God said the younger, or the older shall serve the younger. Well, what was his intent there? Was his intent that Jacob's mother would deceive? Was his, Jacob's name is deceiver. So. Yes, our society has taken truthfulness very much for granted. Yes, ma'am. Correct. The key is being genuine in our in our representation of who we are as one of God's creatures. Yes, ma'am.
yes. Um, she had mentioned when uh, Jesus was questioned that Jesus would often answer questions with the question to get at the heart of the matter, being very seeking wisdom in how we respond, not just answering with a quick response. So what do you think GCPC would look like if we really followed this commandment? What are some characteristics or traits that we should expect to see? We, we, try, we try not to misrepresent our neighbor by seeking truth from our neighbor in our interactions with them. That's correct. Anything else? Open communication without barriers, not trying to hurt each other. Yes, Steve. Establish relationships built on trust in godliness. Very true. Well, we are running a little bit short on time, so let's close in a little bit of silent prayer for uh, really transformation of your personal lives, and then I will close with a prayer for the group. So let's bow our heads and pray silently for a few moments. Our Father, you have never misrepresented yourself. You've never misrepresented us. You've never misrepresented the world that we live in. So we pray that you will make us men and women of integrity.
give us a heart for our neighbor so that we would seek their good, particularly this morning in our, in our words, what we say to them, what we say about them, the words that we withhold to them and about them. We pray that as a congregation, as we face the world and as we meet the world, that we would faithfully and accurately and truthfully represent who you are in the way that we live our lives. Father, for relationships that have been broken because of lies or hurtful words or lack of trust. Father, we pray that the, the blood of Jesus Christ will heal those relationships, that you will bring reconciliation based on truth, that you will bring patience and loving kindness and true love between our members, between our neighbors, between us and the people on the road, the people we occasion to bump into. Father, we pray that you will give us a heart for building up our neighbor and not ourselves in the words that we speak. Father, we ask your continued blessing on this morning as we come together as believers to worship you. Fill this place with your spirit. Come hear us. Fill us with your goodness. Receive our worship. And may your name be glorified through Jesus' name. And we ask this in his name. Amen.